Hello, it's Adam from Is It Whack? Just wanted to pop in at the start of this episode here to tell you that the one you're about to listen to is slightly different from what you've come to expect here at Is It Whack? The show. That's because this episode, as well as the last two episodes we did, if you want to dig back into the timeline, were recorded in collaboration with TIFF Next Wave months and months ago. They were recorded as kind of a test run for what Is It Whack would become, and since then, it's become. But we didn't want to scrap these episodes. We thought they were really great conversations, and so uh, we decided to run them now here with this four-message forewarning. It's not really a warning. Four-message. That's, that's perfect. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. If you want to learn more about TIFF Next Wave, go to tiff.net slash nextwave. You can learn about all the great things they do. Otherwise, carry on. Hear us talk about Baby Driver. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay, great. Um, this movie is about a young boy named Baby, even though that's not his real name, but we're supposed to think it's his name until the very end. Um, so he is the getaway driver for these bad guys, but he doesn't talk. He's like very in tune with his music. He's like that... Um, that odd one out, that loner, but like he's cool again with his glasses, always wears glasses and always has earphones in. Um, so he's that guy in the hallway in high school. Um, and so he never talks, but everyone finds that kind of intriguing. So they're like, okay, are you scared or are you just a badass? And so he's a getaway driver and that's a thing. And then he meets this girl named Deborah, and they connect because she was like, wow, your name is Baby. That's so different. B-A-B-Y, Baby. And that's how they introduce his name every single time. Oh, you're Baby. B-A-B-Y, <laughs> Baby. And so they start singing together, Baby. My sweet baby. And then that's how they fall in love, I suppose, because they go on one more date after that, but they don't really talk about anything, but they want to run away together. Um, but obviously plans change because he's like, no, I'm a good guy. I don't want to do bad things anymore. So he kills all these people that are on his team, and then he tries to run away with his supposed girlfriend of like five seconds. Um, but that doesn't really work out. Um, and that's literally Baby Driver. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it last night. It's a, it's a cute movie. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Is it whack? The podcast that looks back on popular movies of yesteryear to ask the eternal question: Is it whack? Is it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> In each episode, a panel of young people who love movies will unpack a specific film together, from its storytelling to its characters, its aesthetics, its politics. Is it whack? Is produced by Insomniac Film Festival with the participation of TIFF Nef. That's us. Sorry, I got the F from TIFF in there. <laughs> TIFF Next Wave Committee. Um, I'm Adam from Insomniac. I'm Tseho from the TIFF Next Wave Committee. Everyone calls me Tila. I'm Seb from Insomniac. I'm Nara from TIFF Next Wave. And? And insomnia. Oh, oh. Wait, I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> I was gonna just choose next wave, so that way it's like more level playing field. But okay, so we're talking about Baby Driver. Yeah. Uh, 2017 hit, written, directed by Edgar Wright uh, of, I guess in Toronto, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, I can't oh, yeah. talk. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim fame, which is anniversary of that film soon or the book soon the, there's some anniversary like the happening anniversary soon of the book, or yeah. 15 year anniversary of the book they're doing a screening I don't know. at the royal there's yeah, an anniversary of that coming up 
Um, yeah. yeah, but basically, we're talking about the Atlanta version of Scott Pilgrim, I guess. <laughs> um, Baby Driver from 2017. That long ago? I literally thought it was last year, but no, it's, it's two, two years e- ago. That's just two years. It's not that long. <laughs> it is long. Well, long for me. I've only been alive 18 years. <laughs> How the time flies. Two years. Where were you all when you first saw Baby Driver? And what was your initial impressions before we get into the main conversation? I was, I was very excited to see it. I was at film school in Vancouver, and I went to see it right away. I really liked it. Friend and I went to see Spider Man, and then <laughs> we both just wanted to watch Baby Driver again, so we snuck into it <laughs> again. And I've seen it a couple times since then. So I didn't rewatch it because I've seen it like four times. I'm pretty sure I watched it um, when I was going on many of my journeys where I just go to the cinema by myself and have like one of those movie dates with myself. And I was watching it because Ansel Elgort and uh, The Fault in Our Stars, like, ripped my heart out so I was like you know what I have to I have to do this um and I watched it and I loved it um and then it came on Netflix and then it was one of those films that okay I have this thing where I can't go to bed without watching something or like fall asleep to nothing so I have to have like a movie or something playing in the background so it would be Baby Driver and then <laughs> it was action packed yes action packed because it's like something exciting so if I'm like sleeping but like not really and then I turn around and like something's exciting happening and I'm like oh that's cool and I'm like oh, again. Um, and so I did that and then I watched it again last night to refresh my memory and so that's kind of been my ride Oh, with wow. the baby who was driving. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how you can fall asleep to like I, I don't know action either. Scene. There's just some like nice music that lulls you to sleep. That's you know? so That's true. true. Yeah. That playlist is insane. That's true. I saw it um, in a theater uh, on the opening weekend. I wasn't as jazzed as Seb, but I was excited to see it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had an okay time. And then I saw it again last night. And I think I liked it more. We'll see. Let's talk about this pod in a second and then we'll see. Nara? <laughs> um... <laughs> I saw it with my father. Um, we saw it at the uh, Beaches Alliance Cinema on a cheap Tuesday. Oh, um, nice. Because it's cheap. Um, and also Tuesday. that's one of the nights <laughs> that my dad does not work late and my sister is with my mom. So we go see movies a lot on cheap Tuesdays. Um, I think I was kind of jazzed about it because at that time I was like a little baby film school, like grade 11, grade 10? Grade 10. Grade 10. And I was like kind of jazzed. But I was also kind of like, I don't know if I want to look at Ansel Elgort for that long on a big screen. <laughs> but you know, it was a wow. pretty, it was a pretty good, good time. It was enjoyable, well edited. Technically, it was very well executed. Mm-hmm. The performances were pretty good. You know, it was like all around just like a, a good time. <laughs> but is it whack? Excellent question. Excellent <laughs> question. I think watching it the first time, I was like, this is not whack. Then I was like thinking about it. And, like, if you just speak about it plainly, I was like, this is whack. And then you watch it all the way through, and you're like, no. Because it has <laughs> deep, like, philosophical themes, you know what I mean? Like, finding yourself, kind of being a loner, finding your inner peace. Also, he, like, finds this, like, whole terrible thing between, like, what happened to his mom and his connection to music and the fact that she was a musician. And, like, when you watch it till the end, then you get the sweet feeling, like, no, it's not whack. But in the beginning and all the way through, you're like, where is it going? I don't get it. But but I think overall, I'm, I'm at the not whack phase. I think the for me, 
the first time I saw it, I thought it was kind of just this like male nerd fantasy thing. <laughs> and I kind of felt like it was whack when I saw it. <laughs> um, watching it again yesterday, I realized that's like part of the point. Yeah. Um, that he can only kind of live within these like nerd things and can't really like step out and live a real life. I still can't tell if I think the end is whack, but we'll unpack it. Yeah. Um, the first time I watched it, I thought it was like a little bit whack. Um, I still think it's whack for like ethical <laughs> and po- political reasons, but on like an actual just enjoyable movie, like as a average movie for like 2017, it's not super whack. Like ethically, it's pretty whack. But, yeah. like, as far as, like, plot and narrative go, it's not, like, that whack. Like, if politics didn't exist <laughs> in a highly politicized uh, state, the essential uh, plot points and the bare-bones narrative, if you're to take away all people from it, is not that whack. <laughs> if you're to take away all people from the movie? <laughs> like, like, if we weren't to, like, f- like look at the, uh, like distribution of marginalized people in it than yeah. it would be. Like, if it was all just, like, on paper, there was no actors performing it yet. Like, the script itself, and it's, like, they the storyboards. birds. <laughs> yeah, like, if we were to do it with all puppets, it wouldn't be that whack besides the puppets. Like, the actual story <laughs> itself is not that whack, but I think the way it's executed makes it a little bit more whack. I feel like, yeah, I've ever since I first saw it, I feel like I've always had to be defending it because I, I like it a lot. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely whack elements, but on the whole, I think, not whack. And I think the thing I have to defend it from mostly is the idea Adam said, that it's, like, all on baby's side. I actually think it's a little bit critical of him a lot of the time. I just think that he really is a character who is not supposed to be cool and is kind of, like... He's, like, uh, trapped himself in this fandom, kind of. And I think a lot of people take him as face value, either as, like, oh, he is the coolest guy in the world, and it is so cool that he knows so much about music and whatever. Or they go the other way and go, oh, the movie is, like, kind of, like, lame, where it's, like, so into this guy who is, like, not cool. But (laughs) I don't think he's supposed to be cool. And I think there's more to the character than... Um, might first meet the eye. Definitely. Because I think, for me, he's one of those people that are cool but have no idea how cool they are. Like, I don't think he has really registered his coolness. (laughs) And I think it's just because he's a unique person. I think, for me, what I related to was, you know, having, like, like, your phone and, like, your playlist on your phone kind of be a soundtrack to your life and how I'm a person, personally, that... I always wished that my life was a film so that I could have like actual songs playing in real life, like in like speakers somewhere floating in the air and like how everyone would be immersed in my world. And that's why I really liked, I really liked that aspect of the film. Um, with, within like the character development aspect, like you really see him kind of take agency over like what he wants and how he wants to be perceived in this world and what type of person he wants to be in this world throughout the film. Like you, you just see him 
you know, empathetic towards different people. Like when he was stealing that um, that old lady's car and he like held her at gunpoint and then he was like, I'm so sorry, and then handed her her purse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or um, little moments where he was like, no, don't walk in there because it's about to explode, but he literally just shook his head. He's always like low-key looking out for people. I think it's because he's always wanted people to look out for him. Um, and so he's humanized throughout the film, which which I really admire. Yeah, I really love that character arc where I feel like he's just super passive towards stuff for mm-hmm. most of the movie, and then they keep hitting this idea <clears throat> where he has to grow up, like people keep saying. Right. It's like big boy time. I think Vat <laughs> says that to him uh, near the end, and he actually has to like choose what kind of person he wants to be because I right. think it is a coming-of-age movie. Well, and there's That's that big sure. turning point, I think, uh, where they're robbing uh, the truck, and he looks over and he sees like the actual consequences of like mm-hmm. what he's involved himself right. in. And I think before he was able to just kind of like completely dissociate from any of the like humanity behind all this. He kind of is living his life like it's just a movie, or at least that's uh, my read of him. Like he kind of he's totally uh, not really realizing what the actual world is like beyond his scope of just like oh everything is a movie or it's through these like this soundtrack to my life Mm -hmm. and in that moment i think it's the first time where he actually has to see like oh shit oh am i allowed to swear on this i guess not (laughs) oh snap (laughs) (laughs) there's like real consequences for what i've involved myself in and i actually have to like face humanity in real life at a certain point in the first bank robbery, you can't see what's happening in the bank. Yeah. The baby yeah. can't see. And I don't then, think he wants to see. I don't yeah. think so. I think that's why he plays his music. And that's why he's like, you know, whenever they're robbing places, he's like, oh, no, I got to stop my song again. And it's like, why? Mm. It's like, because I got to get in the groove of things. I have to block out the world in order for me to do what I got to do. Um, you even see it like when he's like talking to his caretaker and he was like, you know what? I'm just doing what I got to do. And he's trying to remove himself as a person from the situation. And then when he realizes that it's merging into one, I think that's when he starts to retract himself and really look at himself and like, is this a person I want to be in, taking ownership of that? All right, do you want to talk about some of the issues you had with it, how it <laughs> represents uh, oh, people? Um, I just think it was like, because I remember the first time I watched it, I like enjoyed it, but I couldn't get out of my head, like even leaving the theater, that the first person that we see die on screen was like an Asian dude. Um, like that's just like personally for me, like being like half Japanese, it's like weird because I was like, oh, cool, like, representation of like Asian people especially like in like Georgia in the south where you think of it being very like literally like black and white like people um like you don't and you never really see like um like other like ethnic minorities um in a lot of like movies that take place in the south besides like Florida maybe um so I just thought that was cool but then he was like the first character like the first character that you see getting killed um, and I was also like weird because I was like, there's no reason why it had to be him. Like it could have been Flea's character. Also, mm-hmm. it's just weird that Flea's in it. Like, every time <laughs> Flea is in a movie, I'm like, that's Flea. Um, which was like, like it, like it also like in my head, it like would make more sense for Flea's character to die in that moment because his character is built up from the start as being sort of like not that intelligent and sort of like just like a goofy dude. Mm-hmm. Right. But then it's like this guy who like you can tell is obviously like in like I don't know I just like it that didn't make sense even with the like the small bit of character that you got from the two of them but then like after that like rewatching the movie and thinking about it I realized that like all of the people of color are the first ones killed off yeah. um and that all of the people like even though like a lot of the main cast dies all of the people of color are killed off before 
like without any character development. They're killed off like as just like tokens or like as like um like shells of people. So like I just like thought that was sort of weird that like you can like tell how blatantly they're tokenizing it. But I read this really interesting article last night by I wrote down the name of it. By Andre Seward, where he, like, talked about Jamie Foxx's character and about how, like, he could be a token, but at the same time, like, you, like, as, like, him watching it as a black person, he could read his character differently because of, like, not necessarily because of the writing or the story structure, but because of, like, Jamie Foxx's performance, where, like, he is supposed to just be, like, this unhinged, like, guy who's, like, been in gangs and has, like, been around the circuit a few times Mm -hmm. and is just, like, tough. Um, and, like, all his actions are supposed to, like, make the audience feel uncomfortable about him. Like, that's sort of the point. But at the same time, like, on, like Andre Seward, the writer, as, like, a black man, he, like, understood Jamie Foxx's actions not as, like, just being unhinged or, like, trying to be tough, but showing it as, like, those are just, like, survival skills or mm-hmm. as, like, especially, like, the moments where he kills cops or something like that. He's, like, or kills people in positions of power that's like him taking revenge and retribution for being so like systematically oppressed but it's sort of like one of those things where it's like there are these like these there are these ways that you can like redeem these characters who are very much like half fleshed out but it is just about like the person's own experience coming to the table which i think is sort of like not necessarily a lost cause it's just sort of like a weak argument to make when you're like trying to defend a movie for like that obviously has this sort of like sketchy like political compass I was just thinking of the deaths of JD and uh, bats are also so like especially gruesome well JD's I guess you don't see on screen but mm-hmm. that almost makes it more gruesome to me that yeah. it's just he's so like indispensable and then you just see his hand like out of a car well There's you such do a get, horrific image you do get a full shot where you just see him lying bloody in a <laughs> trunk where it's like yeah. it's weird because like Kevin Spacey gets run over by a car but you don't see like the aftermath of that like you don't see his like body scraped across the floor and like you don't see um yeah, that was nasty. john ham's yeah. character do, do, do you i think he he, he gets I run over several you, times you, and he gets like no, pushed across uh, i just i just know that's, that's and like fire. his blood was just squirting out of him I was yeah like, oh. you see blood yeah you see a squirt of blood but jamie fox is especially yeah, like, yeah. that's the yeah. most gruesome death that in the whole gruesome. movie definitely yeah i was like really a paradigm shift yeah yeah went from zero to 100 real quick and it's sort of weird because it's like um, like besides like Darlin's character, but like JD and then also like Jamie Foxx's character, Bats, both get killed just because people don't like them. That's true. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other, like where everybody sort of has like a noble death. Yeah. And then they're just like, we're going to kill you because we're mad and at we're you. tired of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baby's just really angry in that moment. And, just and impulsive. Jamie Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't make any argument for JD because it's like disappointing. So there's so few like, Asians in like mainstream action movies and he shows up and he's really cool looking and he has that great joke about the hats (laughs) oh Oh, yeah yeah. I wrote that down I was gonna mention that (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't like hats (laughs) (laughs) and then to see him be this idiot who dies right away is like disappointing it's like a senseless death too Mm -hmm. yeah because he forgot the shotgun wasn't it yeah Yeah. he forgot the shotgun but I'm like it's kind of weird that it's just, like, it could be a toss-up between, like, him or Flea. And I think Flea's character doesn't even get a name. Or, like, does he get named? He's, like, no, something okay. no-nose. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, he oh, is. Yeah, no-nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> and I'm, like, that's, that that was just, like, weird to me. But maybe Flea had it in his contract where he's, like, I'll be in the, your movie, but you can't kill me. <laughs> but I would go to bat for, 
I didn't mean to do that, but oh. I would go to bat for wow. bats. <laughs> and and Darwin. Because I think... Um, How does Darling die again? What is she her? just gets she shot gets by police. By cops. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I do think you at least understand how those characters think. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, maybe not the systemic oppression, but the idea that Bats is so insecure that he lashes out at everyone and he always has to be in control. And um, in a position of power because he's yeah. felt inferior. Yeah, I think that's... Time. It's, a, it's not sympathetic. It's presented as scary almost all the time, but I think you at least understand it. Uh, like uh, when he freaks out about the cops, the undercover cops. Right. I think you're supposed to see it as he's like, you know, a bit like deranged and he's out of control. But he's also like, he's like, I think scared in that moment. Yeah, he had a le- yeah. and he had a legitimate reason to be. Mm-hmm. He yeah. had these hunches. Yeah, and they were cops. Yeah, he just. Yeah. Uh, That's right. Yeah. It's also like. Like, then the setup also with him, like, having, like, experience with those specific cops before, like, mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah, 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 definitely. But, yeah, the way he dies is so gruesome. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, pretty shocking. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think that moment is supposed to be surprising in terms of they're setting him up as the main villain the whole time. Yeah. And then it's supposed to surprise you that it turns out to be John Hamm, who is not as interesting, I think. (laughs) I don't think as well. I don't think he's as interesting. I think I would have much rather preferred to see a little bit more of Bat developed Mm -hmm. throughout the film and his interaction with Baby, because I feel like they had more sincere moments. Like, for example, when Baby was, like, driving past the diner, and he was like, yeah, let's stop. And he was like, no. And that's the first time you see Baby stand up for himself. Um, and then he was like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And then they go back, they go into the diner. And then, um, you know, that moment where he's like standing up and he has the gun in his hand. And then Baby holds his hand. And then um, he kind of makes a connection between Deborah and Baby. And then he was like, okay. And he decides to not be vile mm-hmm. out of pure impulse. And I feel like that was more of a genuine interaction between Baby and Bats that could have been expanded more. But never really was, unfortunately. Yeah, that that scene, the diner where Bats guesses everyone's backstory, probably correctly, is yes. like my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, I think it, it's so great. And you you get to see Darwin kind of stand up for herself too, and understand their relationship, Darwin and John Hamm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like even Darwin could have been the the villain at the end. That'd, That'd be been more interesting. More interesting because so ta- John Hamm is there just to like redeem the death of Darling, which I guess that's a movie thing, <laughs> and I guess the movie's playing on these uh, popular action tropes, mm-hmm. but it's also really boring. What does Darling have going on in the movie, like aside from just being attached to John Hamm's character? There's the scene. This is my weak defense. <laughs> <laughs> There's the scene where they're in the car and Darwin's talking about how, again, this is attached to John Hamm, mm-hmm. uh, Buddy, but she's talking about um, all the times Buddy has like attacked people for her. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then she says, uh, remember you attacked that guy who looked at me funny? Uh, Bats just looked at me funny. And the idea that she's kind of in control among the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then when she dies, John Hamm's kind of like this aimless, like just angry guy. Like he has nothing. Like he's lost his compass, his moral yeah. compass or something. But yeah, he's lost any direction, right. I think, that he has. And I think that idea is interesting. I don't know if it's a full character. But. 
but it's still like the only thing that she has is connected to him, though. Yeah, but I guess the only thing he has is connected to her as well. I think it's insight into how their relationship works and and her place in it. And I think she she is the one in control, which I think is interesting. Yeah, it's kind of uh, sad that like the female character with the most autonomy in the film is Darlin. Yeah, and like all the other like I was like reading an article and like of the like there's three like main female characters, one of them being like Sky Ferreira being baby's mom who like doesn't have any audible lines and does not have a name but it's just like sort of like weird that it's like I don't know it's I think it's weird because like a lot of like what I was reading about this film is that it's like reviews and stuff is like um like following much of like Edgar Wright's work is like it's a reinterpretation of like classic Hollywood films Mm -hmm. and it's like with this one he's like breaking the rules of the action genre by kind of making like an action like musical hybrid almost but it's so weird that it's like I can break all these rules about like how it like you're expecting it to go by having this like um like I don't know by like having this protagonist who you like actually see as like fun and vulnerable at moments and his who like um like who ends up like is sort of like a good guy like there's no like there's not as much moral gray area besides he does literally kill bats which is never like addressed mm. um <laughs> like he literally like he does. kills him he um, did that. um but then it's like but then it's like you can break all these rules like structurally but then you can't like update any of the like character types which is like like it's just kind of like a weird like thing to draw the line especially because like also reading it like this story has been a passion project of right for like since his like teenage years i don't know it's just sort of like it seems like a missed opportunity almost mm-hmm. where it's like there was like like you were saying with like buddy and darling like that role reversal would have been like really interesting and a really like like i think a really um like it would be really interesting like one for like the director to like play with that and to figure out how to write that in a way that like seems believable and not just like he's being like oh I'm going to do a role reversal but like actually making it nuanced but then that'd also be super exciting for the audience because that's something that's like never seen or like rarely seen yeah I think that's a great point and I think a lot of I love all of Edgar Wright's movies but I think a lot of them stumble on on race and and gender and if you see like his English movies like there's some like the least diverse like mainstream comedies like like Bats is probably one of the most prominent characters of color he's ever had in any of his movies aside from like some of the people in Scott Pilgrim who are from the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I mean he's great at understanding genre he's great at understanding film I think that's what kept a lot of people feeling pretty cold about this movie after it came out because everyone I talked to was kind of like yeah you know those musical sequences were cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and no one really, I told my brother we were doing Baby Driver on this and he was like oh yeah that movie yeah I like those step scenes but everything else kind of sucked <laughs> <laughs> and that is kind of what I've heard from a lot of people like it feels super familiar in every other way I feel like we haven't talked a lot about the musical element what do you guys think of the style and the kind of premise of the style oh it's so cool I love the one that I noticed um, more so on this second watch was I really loved, uh, it's the first one when he's like walking around on the street. Yeah. Um, and the first time I watched it, with I was the like. graffiti? Yeah, with the graffiti and stuff. <laughs> and the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a scene to just show how awesome and cool this guy is and how there is this like soundtrack to his life. But then I realized watching it the second time, it's like he's bumping into everyone. <laughs> he's like clearly not in tune with the world around him at all. He's like, yeah, like hitting people and knocking over <laughs> stuff. And I, I think that kind of plays on 
both those ideas. It's like you can look at this guy and be like, oh, look at this awesome guy who's so obsessed with his music. But also it acts as kind of like a, um, a early moment to show the kind of like dangers of just living within that uh, framework and within that world because he totally does have no awareness about the world around him at all. Yeah. Just like the director, Edgar Wright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's one of the things that I, I love the most and could relate to the most. Um, kind of having your music kind of be like this, this shield, this bubble that you kind of live protected from the world. And I, it, yeah. it reminded me a lot of my sister because, you know, her and I are both like those types of people that just always have the headphones in or around them. Um, and so my sister's the type of person to be on a subway and like have a full on music video going on. But like no one knows what she's listening to, but she's just there and she's vibing. And it just reminded me of like that scene where he was walking in the graffiti and he was like mimicking the graffiti. I was like, oh my goodness. Like this guy has no idea that, you know, people are just out here looking at him like, bro, you okay? You good? <laughs> and that's literally my sister. And, and it's, I think it's a beautiful imagery because I think the world is so different inside our heads. And it's like, that's his reality too. Yeah. And the fact that he needs this to kind of like understand anything. I mean, like the greatest moment of like trauma in his life was spent listening to headphones. Right. And now he kind of needs to remix like real world stuff to get any kind of semblance of understanding of it. I like when he's making that uh, yeah. beat out of like the thing someone said. And I don't know like if you're, him. Yeah, it, you're someone slow? insulting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was like, yeah. you're, you're slow or yeah. something like that. And it, it kind of feels like that's his only way of actually, like, making sense of... The world around him. Yeah, what people are saying about him is to, like, literally put drums to it and make it into a beat. Um, hot Take, uh, Baby Driver is just the action movie version of Glee. Discuss. Uh, <laughs> wait, let me think about that. Wait, elaborate, please. Yeah, can you explain? Um, so on Glee, all the characters, their storylines are mimicked by an emotional song. In Baby Driver, yes. the moments are mimicked by a song. I mean, that's a musical thing. Yeah, but Glee, Why I think Glee it's different than Glee because not, they're not original songs. They're already songs right, that right. people have their own okay, individual yeah, experiences with, which is the same with Baby Driver, where they're just like recontextualizing a popular song. Yeah, and you're kind of placing different, uh, like your own thing upon this uh, popular piece already. Yes. Right. Well, Glee is a musical. It's just like it is. a different type of musical. Yeah. As is Baby Driver. It's my least favorite kind of musical. <laughs> Listen, I'm a huge musical fan. I don't like jukebox musicals where it's like they're singing other songs. Yeah. It's cool sometimes and it like recontextualizes it, but I want to hear new songs. <laughs> More content. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is completely off topic. Um, just I want to talk about Baby's mom. And I have this... this theory i guess okay i think baby's abusive dad who we see very briefly in the flashbacks mm -hmm. is costumed to look like john ham on purpose like he has a kind of jacket and he has the same haircut and i think oh. i think there's kind of this idea of like baby kind of choosing if he wants to be more like his mom or his dad Nara has something Ooh, Nara has her hand up fun facts <laughs> uh from the articles that i read uh one of them pointed out a really interesting thing where Baby and Buddy are supposed to be foils of each other, um, where all both of them act um, in order or like motivated by their love life, love mm. lives, um, love life. I can't say that word. You got it. I have I have this article somewhere. Let me find it. That's not it. 
That's the one by Jack Lewis. This is it, I think. Let me see. <laughs> oh, here. Also, like, also, um, Baby's mother, Sky Ferreira, who is not given a name in the film. Um, but, uh... Mom. <laughs> yeah, mom. Um, but this is from an article by Kaylee Donaldson where she says, if Baby's mother and her tragic end are, um his motivation, then Darling's death is Buddy's motivation. Mm. So oh, it's sort okay. of like looking at how the death of significant females like motivate each of them, but in different way, um, different ways, um, which is kind of like interesting that they're supposed to be like foils of each other. Also, they have like kind of similar names with like yeah, the yeah, So it's true. like that might not be like it, but that was just like an interesting theory that I didn't think about before. Yeah, I think that's totally there. I, I also think there's the scene where uh, baby takes JD's body to like the junkyard mm-hmm. um, and it gets crushed up and it's again he has to confront the reality of like the business that he's doing and that's when we first hear um, Easy which is the song that his mom is singing at the end right yeah and I feel like on and when the rewatching happen. Hmm? the flashbacks happen yeah that, that happens uh, on rewatch I think you you see that like in that moment I feel like he's like betrayed his mother or the idea of his mother at least, and he's becoming more like this, like abusive guy, like his dad. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's like his main choice is like what kind of person does he want to be by the end. I see yeah. that. I thought putting that on was like, I definitely see that. I thought it was kind of like, oh, he's just done this bad thing, so he needs to remind himself of kind of like mm-hmm. the good and just completely like distract himself from what actually just occurred. What I thought about in that moment was when the car was being taken to the the junkyard and you saw it get crushed was and then it flashed back to the moment that he was in the backseat and they were arguing and his car got crushed and so I mm. thought like that was that image brought him back to that moment mm. and that realization of that moment made you know him analyze himself and the part that he wanted to take in life differently but I think the crushed car and that crushed experience correlated that's cool i never noticed yeah. that oh thank you <laughs> i try <laughs> <laughs> i just had a thought that's kind of off topic um but everybody dies of car related trauma besides uh darlin yeah mm. <laughs> that's yeah. just a fun fact <laughs> i don't know if that's relevant or if that was intentional but there are a lot of cars in the film so it may have just been yeah that's collateral that's yeah i mean she dies in front of one so <laughs> going towards a car <laughs> yeah <laughs> Them and their cars. Um, <laughs> I, I like yeah. how much uh, all the action scenes use, like, every part of the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, before Baby kills Bats, he turns off the airbag, like, really quickly. Oh, which yeah. is something I didn't notice, but I saw, like, on Twitter. And <laughs> <laughs> there's the part where, like, uh, John Hamm is shooting at them, and Baby pulls, like, the thing that makes your seat go back. Yes! Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Deborah falls back. Cool. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, that was great. Because I don't pay nearly as much attention to cars as, like, this film enlightened me. I was like, oh, damn, you can do that. Oh, my gosh, I didn't think of that. Wow. Go you. Yeah, I've never driven a car before. So this was an educational (laughs) film for sure. Taught me how to drive. I can't drive, so I don't know how accurate any of this is. Yeah, to Um, be honest, I don't drive either. This could all be, like, Edgar Wright could have just been, like, breaking the rules of cars. I would not know because I don't know how cars work. But when he did recline her chair. It was weird when the car started flying. Cars that don't was crazy. Do that. I know. Wait, well, when did it have fly? Have you seen Greece? <laughs> oh, <laughs> when did it fly? No, I was just trying to make a joke. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like impossible things the car could do. Never mind. Cars exploded a lot too. 
but that's just okay, necessary. It's necessary in any action film. What were you going to say about the seat reclining? Oh, yeah. You know how when he reclines the seat, it looks like he's doing it from this side. But <laughs> when you recline, it's on the other side of of the seat. Like, it's the recliner thingy-majiggy, yeah, obviously. not in the middle. It's yeah, on, it's, like, the outside. Yes, it's on the outside yeah. by the door. So I'm like, no, baby. In, in, um, so you know how, like, in Britain, they drive on the other side of the road? <laughs> yeah. So oh, in, in South Atlanta, too. they actually... They have recliners on the other side of the seat. Only in I really yeah. can't tell if you're joking <laughs> or if you're serious. Not even in the entire state of Georgia. Just, just, just in the Atlanta area. It's specific to the Atlanta car. You know, I'm really tradition. gullible, so I can't even really tell if, like... It's because everyone's left-handed in Atlanta. <laughs> because no, he I'm wasn't not, I'm not. reaching, man. It was so easy. I'm like, bro, it can't be that easy. And it was so quick, he just has, He just has, like, one of the grabber poles. Maybe he has really <laughs> long arms. Maybe. And that's what makes this movie whack. Honestly. <laughs> um, a moment long. of whackness. We haven't talked about Deborah, Deborah's character. Hey, that oh, girl. Boy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't understand why she's just like, oh, you killed a bunch of people? I'm going to, like, still run away with <laughs> you and wait for you for five years. Thank you. they went on, like, a date and a half. Thank- oh. Well, I was, th- I mean. <laughs> I just don't like how much her. How much time passed in the film? Like, not a lot. A matter of and you know, like, that one little moment with Doc where he was like, yeah, guys, I'm going to give you money. You guys can run away. Yeah, I was in love once. Yeah, I was so in love bad. once. I'm like, guys, I've literally never even heard you guys make it official or even want to make it official. Y'all never said, yeah, I have these feelings for you. Like, there was never that conversation. Like, even the date, it wasn't that conversation because he got interrupted by the bad guys. Yeah. We had to have a chat outside. So I was like, well, then what, what, what did you talk about? You never talked about your favorite cereal. Y'all never talked about your favorite movie. You never talked about your past. So what? Like, I just didn't. And I couldn't relate to her because she was so, like, in her own head and like dumbfounded and she was just yeah. like yeah this guy's name is baby and, like, <laughs> i don't really know what he does but it's okay because he's ansel elgort and he's cute and i'm like but like that's not enough information <laughs> to like run away with a person and he also, said he was like if you're gonna drive keep on driving because you'll be driving for 25 years and you just met the dude y'all have been on one and a half dates and you're just like yes baby let's do this how fam how i just didn't that was whack. Yeah. Like that, I, the, the romantic aspect of it was whack. Because you can't put Ansel in like Augustus Waters and a Hazel Grace Lancaster situation and then put him, okay, I freaking, oh my gosh, love that. Won't get into details. But then you take Baby and Deborah and it just, I just, no. Like, oh, Ansel can do romance so freaking well. And I was like, I need you to have more opportunities to share this with me because I want to experience it again. And I just didn't. And I, that, that made me sad. I think she's a really weak character who makes no decisions. Uh, I will say, I think the point is that she's looking for some kind of excitement in her life and she's willing to just like do whatever. Like she's like, I'll go down this dangerous path. But she does make absolutely no decision. And even when she does decide to go down this path, it's still him that's like, yeah. uh, actually, don't. So he's so he's still, like, controlling. Like, uh, so <laughs> no I'm agency. with you. I'm just saying I, th- I think that that was, like, it's very weak. Yeah. Very. I think she was just really bored with her life. Do you know yeah. when yeah. you're, like, I remember being in, like, this phase where I was, like, having, like, a celebrity crush. And I'm, like, wait. Do I actually genuinely like this person or am I just bored? 99% of the time, I was just bored. <laughs> and I think she was just like, gosh, I work at this diner. This is all I do. 
and this one exciting element yeah. makes her. Was this like a fa- infatuation from afar? Exactly. When you can kind of like place, like especially because Baby's such an empty slate for her. Yeah. So it's kind of like she can place whatever she wants upon this like guy, this w- wild guy, uh, and she can just make him into like whatever she imagines. Yeah. So I, I don't know what fixation. she's thinking. Yeah, it totally is. I don't think it's unrealistic. It's just not interesting. What is? I. <laughs> Did did <laughs> whoa was this a w- did Edgar Wright actually be a genius was he actually a genius that was horrible grammar um and he was like so I'm gonna do a role reversal here where instead of like like they're both gonna be objectifying each other <laughs> like was he just like so like deep in that moment that well I he think put, it's like, a classic action movie thing yeah. right I mean Seb knows way he's the he watches a billion action movies <laughs> but that's like a classic action movie thing right where it's kind of like the the love interest has nothing except for being totally infatuated with this guy and i don't know if he's flipping that at all in this movie i don't think he is at all well, but i took it as just a pure genre thing well yeah. i feel like both of them know nothing about each other like yeah. what do they <laughs> well nothing. he's placing stuff like his he's placing memories of his mom yeah on that's her, the which is thing. really whack yeah. <laughs> that they worked at the same diner yeah Detroit, so, what do you have to say about that <laughs> <laughs> but i think at best the best argument you could make for it is that it's like a kind of like young love thing like it's like it's like their first real thing yeah I, I, it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet <laughs> kind of thing they're not even teenagers these people are yeah, young how adults old are they? How is, old are they? okay this first of all they were never in high school so I'm just suggest I'm just guessing because mm-hmm. we're not given any other context that they're young adults me being an actual teenager <laughs> finds this ridiculous. <laughs> I would never have an interaction with a young boy. I feel like her self-respect is just like low, man. Like if you feel like the best you can do is a guy that is doing illegal activity, freaking shot a person in front of you, and then you decide to run away together. In your to get diner. Him. In your diner. You could get fired because of him. I don't think she's going back yeah, to her. Yeah. I don't think she's not. worried about getting fired. But she's like, point. this is what I deserve. I'm going to sacrifice everything for this she's guy. She's also willing to wait up to 25 years. Yes, yeah. to come back home. Yeah. To have a normal life. Yeah, she for just what? for him. Well, I thought that was a fantasy, though, like at the very end. But it goes out of black and white. No, because the first one that's that's in black and white is the fantasy, and then the second one's real life. Yeah, Yeah, because it goes back into color. I love that shot. When I I started my talking about whether I thought it was whack or not, that's what I was pointing to with the end, because I thought that the end was like condemning him at finally, at the very end. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, he actually does have to finally face the music, and he doesn't get to keep just being this like action hero that he's made up in his mind from watching movies and listening to music but then with that final shot actually like going from his fantasy to presumably reality being let out early uh from jail it made me think like so are then are we is this movie just reverting like are we still just celebrating this like guy who's not doing good things yeah i think it's ambiguous on purpose like if the end is imagined or not the end is him and Deborah getting back together after he goes to jail. I do think it's weird that in his trial, but all either these... way, even if it's a fantasy, like he still then he hasn't really faced the music at all, which is fine. But like, he well, he might if have he gone goes to, to jail for years and years, yeah, but he still he thinks he's an action hero. He went for five years. He also got out by like reverting all of his character development and being passive again. So, yeah. To be honest, the ending, the whole sequence from like when he was like, "Yes, I surrender." Take me away. Take me away. Sorry. <laughs> um, but that part for me was a little whack just because I just felt like his sentencing was kind of a slap on the wrist. Yeah. yeah. And then 
his time in prison was also a slap on the wrist. Like, he's a pretty white boy in prison. I, mm, mm, maybe it's because I watch way too many prison documentaries and they're not trying to get too deep. I don't think it's that kind of movie. It's definitely not that kind of movie. Also, maybe because I just saw When They See Us. You know what I mean? Um, But, and then, like, having him let out early without him looking like he aged one (laughs) tiny bit. I was like, okay. Yeah, he's good. It was just fantasy land. And I was like, you know what? If that's what you're going for, then all the power to you. You know what I mean? And I don't think I expected to have this, you know, realistic, heart-wrenching experience of, like, what it's really like and the turmoil that goes with it. But even, like, you know, the people that were testifying. Yeah, I think that yeah. part is a little bit too easy on him. It is yeah. very easy. Like, you know what? He stole my car, but you know what? He's such a nice guy. He gave <laughs> my purse. Great guy. Right? Great guy. <laughs> and, you know, Miss, oh, yeah, let's run away together was like, yeah, we were just really good friends. Oh, since when? You were literally going to run away with him five seconds ago. Yeah, we were just really good friends. But, like, um, we both thought, like, it could be something more. So you just run away with someone. For 25 years, because yeah. you're just good friends, but you think it might be something more? I just think all the slap on the wrist ending and all that stuff just gives the audience a permission to, like, continue to live within this fantasy. And if it's supposed to be, like, a critique of that, then it comes off real light at the end, Bats- especially after all the hard work it did. Bats and Buddy's deaths aren't even mentioned in the trial. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just <laughs> Everyone, so Everyone's saying that he's so nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what they were, like, what were the charges? I think it was. There's Counts so much destruction 25. of property. <laughs> what do you mean? There's like, okay, first, should we go through like all of the mayhem that Baby has caused? Yeah, because Baby has caused quite a bit. Because there's so much property damage, like a ridiculous amount of property damage. Um, stolen like ten cars. Stolen so many cars. Killed two people. Was like, a probably driver. like guilty somehow in Kevin Spacey's death in that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What like what else? There's more. He stole so much money. Like he even stole, so, Remember when he stole the cap and the jacket and the oh, glasses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Loki. Shop he was just like he was just Loki. Also, it was so weird because he had blood on his shirt, and everyone was just like, "That's normal." Oh, I love that chase scene though. So, that I mean, that when he was great. Oh, so oh, the good. action scenes are incredible. It's I mean, there's no like, but that yeah. foot chase, especially when he's like going through the mall and yeah, he's, like, it's so creative. Oh man. Question: He he couldn't do the stuff in the post office like take in all the stuff that he was supposed to do but then he was like behind a tree in a really intense moment with people all around him and he could like scout out where all the cop cars were and like the police <laughs> helicopter and find all the police but he had his music in this moment right and I don't I think know. he, he does music want to his music is a superpower I suppose yeah because sometimes he could just disappear like when he was like dropping off his caretaker and there was like the oh, helicopter yeah. just oh, poof. I love that. so many moments like when he's um the last scene with um him having like that that um car power roll fight thing mm-hmm. the final scene and then he randomly just disappears from one car and yeah. he disappears from another like, oh my gosh <laughs> superpowers but I don't know also I feel like it takes like the amount of time that there was like laugh like obviously none of this like the timelines of this are not real um, <laughs> but like the amount of time that it would take him to like get out of that car and then break into another car and set it up properly yeah. to like no but hit. he's great with cars though okay yeah, yeah. he's just so good in a packed parking garage <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> also, doesn't he? He also gets like the security guard in the parking lot shot. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's kind of. I don't know fault. if he's well, to blame for everything everyone does, though. Like, I think a lot of the stuff would happen even if he wasn't there. That which is true. isn't an excuse in court, but I mean, like, a lot of people <laughs> like are massacring cops and stuff, and he has nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it's really funny because in the beginning, in one of their raids, you know, um, 
Bats was like, gave him the gun. He was like, no, I'm okay. He was like, no, I don't do guns. And then he just like did that whole entire scene rolling around, <laughs> like trying to dodge bullets, but he never actually held a gun. And then like he went from that to like scaring people with the gun to actually shooting people. I was like, wow. That was like zero to 100 real yeah. quick. But I actually kind of dug it. that. I yeah. actually kind of dug that though, because I thought that was like, the only thing he knows now how to do is like to regress into a different kind of like person living like a different kind of movie idea that he's living within it's like now he's gonna be this like dangerous criminal on the run <laughs> but he's like that obviously isn't him at all and he can't dodge the violence anymore right? yeah he can't so just, he just like avoid it, it. it so came now to the point yeah. where yeah he had to do it one character i want to talk about really briefly yeah. is there's a character in the first scene who is in it like so much and you think he's going to be one of the main characters and oh, then he yeah. just disappears and I think in the first scene, yeah, in the first John, robbery, yeah, John, John Brenthal's character. Yeah, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. I, I think he's named like Cyrus or something, and he looks a lot like John Hamm, and he's oh, like he does. he's like uh, like tries to punch baby and stuff, tries to get him to flinch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah now he's like, if you don't see me again, then I'm dead. Do you think maybe killed him? Well, no, I think <laughs> he did die. Like his last line is, "If you don't see me again, I'm probably dead." And then we never see him he again. He also says that to the camera, like uh, supposedly <laughs> yeah. to the camera, because he's wearing sunglasses, but he is like facing the camera. Mm. But I thought it was this interesting thing where it's like, and then Bats behaves almost exactly like that guy. Yeah. And it's like this thing of like, baby's always pushed around by guys who are like this for like his whole life. Like again, he has the haircut like the dad, and it's like. As the movie goes on, he starts to kind of become like one of those guys, mm. which I, I think is is interesting. Um, this is kind of changing lanes, but this is one thing that I would have liked to see from the movie, like just on a very superficial level. But I would have liked to see like more like one on one time with Baby, but but specifically when he's planning his music selections, because it's like <laughs> with the neat 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 scene, which is like the Dunwoody like uh like armored truck jacking scene like he had to restart the song because they did not do properly and then he had to reverse through the song a bunch so i want to see him like in his room choreographing (laughs) his driving sequences to the songs or like does he like jack a car way earlier just so he can like practice and see how long it'll take because like i want to see that planning i want to see his meticulous planning we just flip the radio at one point and finds a song yeah that and then he doesn't he's not perfectly timed to it though yeah. yeah. It's like But it has to be it has to be the vibe. Yeah, it's the it vibe. It has to be the vibe, the essence of his surroundings. So it's maybe like he can wing it, he can go on the fly with <laughs> any song that fits the vibe. Yeah. But for something real specific, he needs to choreograph it. Yeah. I, I wanna see that. I wanna see him doing his choreography in his room. <laughs> <laughs> Making his iPods with different moods. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how he has backup ones. Yeah. <laughs> he has backup everything. Yeah, he yeah. just pulls out other ones from his pocket. <laughs> oh, like when they kept on like knocking off his glasses and he was just like <laughs> I like that scene where he was a pizza driver. And then he goes to the house and they're like, Wow, that was fast. And he was like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm the baby driver. <laughs> that part definitely not whack. <laughs> also, now when I like I watched the movie again like last night, but now this time when I was watching it, every time he's like my name is baby, all I can think of the memes that are like I'm baby. <laughs> like that's all I could think of. I could not get over how he would always be like baby. B A B Y, baby. Like people don't know how to spell baby. Like, I'm like, really? I was gonna spell it B A Y B E E Y. I was like, I don't think it's that complicated. <laughs> Every single time he introduced himself when he was getting coffee, when he was meeting the girl. Every time. Baby. B A B Y. I thought that, actually, that ties into something else I wanted to say. Like, I thought though, that was like, he needs to have these catchphrases. Yeah. Like, he I, needs yeah. to have these things that he always says. And I'm 
might sound like a broken record, but I think that that's also something that he's just picking up from stuff that he sees. Like, there's a scene where he's talking to Kevin Spacey, and he has the line that's from Monsters, Inc. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, he calls him out on it later. Yeah. And I start to think, like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, everything he says is just stuff he's picked up. Like, I don't know if he actually has... He does repeat these, a lot like, of original thoughts. Lines that like, he yeah. sees on. <laughs> I don't know if he's <laughs> individual. I think he's just photocopies of a bunch of different things. But, but a lot of people are. Like, yeah. I don't know, yeah. not in such an extreme way. But, like, I've definitely felt like that at times in my life. Shizzle uh, my nizzle. Yeah, especially when... <laughs> Is that uh, a catchphrase? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, a, especially growing up, and I'm still growing up, but, like, I will have these things that are like my favorite things and use those to like define my personality or things that I've picked up from other places. Um, And I think he's that on just like a really extreme level. Like he knows the things he likes and he used those to define himself. And even in the way that he speaks, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, continually introducing yourself as baby, B-A-B-Y. That's like a, uh, my name is Bond, James Bond. (laughs) You were, (laughs) oh my gosh. It's that kind of thing. I was alluding to that for sure. And so... That's like, oh, I want to have this really cool way of introducing myself, which seems like just something he's picked up. It's not an actual thing that a human would do. On the TV, there's a scene where he's flipping through channels, and he repeats everything that, at some point in the movie, he repeats everything. I was wondering that. When he said the Monsters, Inc. thing, I was wondering if he did the other ones. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a whole bunch. Like like, uh, Jim from The Office. I don't know what movie that is, but he's on TV for a second. He says, they grow up so fast, don't they? And then later, Baby says that at the post office when he yeah. gets the age of the kid he's with wrong. Uh, and there's like a whole bunch of them like that. When does he do the Fight Club? What is the thing that? I don't know. Oh I was just yeah, like, fight yeah. Club. <laughs> it's when uh, Brad Pitt's on like the uh, airplane. He says, "Yeah." I was thinking. I was wondering if he said that. I'm not a big enough Fight Club <laughs> or a Baby Driver fan. To know. I saw this on the internet. I didn't notice. <laughs> I just wanted to say quickly on the catchphrase thing that other characters, I think, also do that, too. Like, they all have their curated, like, image. And eventually their real names do get revealed, a lot of them. Like, Bats's real name is Leon. Like, yeah. the oh, least yeah. cool name possible. And then... Uh, a cool name. I think that's sick. I think we all I love Leon, Leon the Professional. Okay. Leon Bridges. But, yeah. like, when he gets introduced, <laughs> he says... Uh, Everybody knows bats. Like everyone has these things. Like f- even flea. I think he has bats like... tattoos on his neck. Tattooed on his neck too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and flea is like that's a no nose no no. When someone like asks him about his nose or something. Like everyone has these They're like thick. images they've created. All the criminals. Babies is Miles, isn't it? Baby. Yeah, yeah. Miles. He looks like a Miles too. He does look like. I thought that was the perfect name. Oh, when he said Miles, I was like, wow. It's because cars. Because he goes for Miles. Yeah, I thought oh. that's right. Are you serious? Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That's such a dad joke. I love that. Miles drives for miles. There's a, you know, Sonic. You know, you like know the hedgehog. Son- yeah. <laughs> you know Sonic's friend Tails. Who has two tails? Yeah. Yeah. yeah his real name is Miles Prower. Like miles oh. per hour, which is so <laughs> stupid, and I think of that every time they get to that scene in Baby Driver. That's so good. Yeah. It's like, miles oh, is he miles per hour? <laughs> that's not stupid. That's great. Oh, that's <laughs> Do you want to bet that's actually like Baby's full name? Yeah, probably miles per hour. So what are we thinking? Uh, has anyone's opinion changed? Is it whack? Is it not whack? Let's go around the circle. 
Okay, y'all all looking at me, so I'll talk. <laughs> um, okay. Hmm. It's like... Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Have you guys ever been to Marble Slab? Like the ice cream place? Yes. Yeah. Our favorite ice cream, ice cream store. So it's like the ice cream itself, meaning the film, is not whack, in my opinion. <laughs> However, the little... Whatchamacallit? Candy that you put on top of it, <laughs> the decorative elements that they kind of mush together to make it taste how it tastes is Loki kind of whack. Like <laughs> Deborah, their relationship. The candy's the best part. Candy At is Marble supposed Slab. to be the best part, but it just tasted a little wacky, in my opinion. <laughs> Deborah, the ending. A little wacky, but I think it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think this convo has forced me to confront some whack elements I've been in denial about, <laughs> like Deborah and the ending and uh, portrayal of race. But I think I'm still on the general side of not whack, though it is a flawed movie. I think ethically whack. <laughs> like, I stand where I did at the beginning. But I think ethically whack. Um, I think it would be less whack if it was clear what... Uh, the director's intentions with the statement were especially with the like weird ending but as a like action movie not the wackest <laughs> i think that i thought it was real whack when i first saw it and then for the last two years seb has been convincing me it's good <laughs> so, so i watched it so i watched it again and I, I think it's less whack than i thought although having this conversation has brought me back to thinking it was just as whack as I thought. Uh, I still do kind of like a lot of the superficial elements, like the action obviously is some of the best I've seen in many years. Um, and there's still a lot of great scenes. Yeah. But it's kind of whack. Wacky elements. Yeah. So I think it's a split decision. That yeah. sounds like three votes for whack. What are you talking about? No, no it's not whack. I think it's like a seven. Oh yeah, you said this. You said the sprinkles it's, were whack. The <laughs> sprinkles were whack, but the ice cream's not whack. Okay, a six out of ten on the whack scale. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, ten being whack. Yeah, and nine being not whack. <laughs> okay. So it's leaning whack. Uh, I would say it's a four or five. I say it's a five. Five point five. Five. Deborah might bring me a little bit to six, to be honest. I feel like we agree on what the whack elements are, but it's just like your personal mileage in, in being willing to look past those things, which isn't necessarily oh, a good thing. Well, oh. sound off in the comments, fans, if you think this one's whack or not. Sound off. Oh, is this us signing off? This Aww. is the end. Yeah, I know. We're coming to the end. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is It Whack? And for listening to our series here with uh, Tiff Next Wave. Next week, we're going to be starting a new series. It's all about food. That's all we'll tell you right now. On our first episode in this new series, we're going to be talking about the movie Good Burger. It's a really great episode. So come back, listen to that. Thank you to Ian Mills for our music. Thank you to Emma Kudlack for our art. Go to insomniacfestival.com or at insomniacfest on Instagram to learn more about us and uh, tiff.net slash nextwave to learn more about nextwave. We will talk to you next week when we talk about Good Burger. Good Burger.